Have you ever received news that completely rocked your world or maybe that of someone you love? Well, that is why I asked today's guest and my friend, Tim McCallum, to come on the show and share with you what happened with him. See, a year ago, he was into fitness, actually owned his own Pilates studio. You could find him at the gym or doing Tai Chi, loved helping people on their fitness and health journey when he got devastating news. What I love about his story and his journey is that he has learned mental toughness, learned to prioritize certain things, and really has some extreme insight on how to deal with a diagnosis that you're not expecting. And even more so, he also shares how to support somebody. We probably all know someone right now that's going through a tough time. And what do we do? How can we support them? He shares some great tips on what to do to make a real difference in people's lives. I love when he summed it up by saying this, God makes the waves and I get to decide how to surf them. And that's exactly what he's had to do. He's had to make some really tough decisions over this last year. And I'm so grateful that he has been able to take this time to be able to share with you and or your loved ones on how to face troubling times in your life but still get to find how to choose to live your life fully alive. Please join me and share this episode with someone that you might know that needs to hear it, rather struggling with a new diagnosis, rather it's somebody that's going through a hard time, to how we can better connect with each other and get each other through rough times. Welcome to the Living Alive podcast. I'm Autumn Shields, a master connect coach, speaker, author, and serial entrepreneur, and most importantly, your hostess here to help you live your life alive. See, I believe we all have the ability to feel and be guided by life's nudges to live on purpose. So I'm inviting you to take this journey with me. Whether you were here just wanting to dip your toe in the water and see what this is all about, or maybe you were ready to dive deep. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. On this show, you'll hear powerful life-changing stories from thought leaders of all walks of life that are stirring things up. We will guide you on living your life fully alive, how to identify the nudges, and why living a healthy lifestyle actually makes a difference. So get ready to be inspired, challenged, and connected because it's your time to make a splash. And thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure, Autumn. I wish I could be on Maui with you and we could be doing this in person. That would be a lot more fun. True enough. We could sit out on the lanai and eat tangerines from my yes, mom's tree. I would love that. <laughs> so it's just great to connect with you and see you again. And I get this opportunity to share you with my audience and the world. I just think you have such an important message. And obviously when we met, I don't know how long ago that was, like nine years ago. Years. Yeah, nine or 10 years ago yeah. on Maui. You had dedicated your life at that point to really health and helping other people with health. And when I first met you, you were just absolutely living your life to the fullest in every area. You lived a very balanced life, both in business and family, and just really helping and dedicating your life to health and stepping in and helping other people with health. And that's why I always ask the guest I ask on the show or people that like live their life alive, but also help other people live their life alive, whatever that means. And some of us get stuck on that health thing. And it's nice when somebody like you with a lot of knowledge and background and how that plotting studio can step in and help people in that area of their life. And I know you were dedicated to that. 
So then last August, something happened. So take us from there. What really happened to you? Well, I'll just remind you when we first met and I joined the business networking group that you were a part of, I had just moved to Maui. I just sold everything I owned at age 50 and decided to move to Maui. So that was just a go for it moment, you know, to live alive and just don't settle for second best. Like if this is what you really want to do, don't listen to the people who say it can't be done or shouldn't be done, or here's all the bad reasons or you know, just go ahead and give it a shot and see what happens. Everything was sort of moving along quite smoothly. I'd settled into Maui and had my my successful one-man business. And then in uh, all summer long, I had growing uh, pain in my back. And I just thought it was some sort of muscular thing that I could work out using Pilates and, and my Tai Chi and so forth. And it just got worse and worse to the point where I couldn't sleep. So I went to the hospital and they did a CAT scan and there was big growths in my abdomen from going from my pancreas reaching across to my liver. And so they they did a biopsy and sure enough, it was pancreatic cancer, stage four, metastatic, inoperable. So not great that, news. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was hard to hard to take on the day of the results because they did the biopsy on a Monday and on a Friday we got results. And my mom who lives here decided she wanted to come and my girlfriend wanted to come and the mother of my son wanted to come and her fiance wanted to come. So I sort of felt badly for the doctor because it's their worst scenario, right? They're looking at their whole day like, oh, I've got that foot thing. I've got that inflammation thing. I've got that thing. Oh, and I have to tell this guy that he's got terminal cancer diagnosis. And so he's going to walk into the room, not just with me, but he gets to break the news to my mom, my girlfriend, my baby mama. Yeah, I just got so, chills. Like, it's not just you. It's like, you're, you know, you can feel it affect the yeah. whole family. And he's this very nice guy. He's a mild-mannered guy. So I know that was, he was not looking forward to that. So when he walked in the room, I said, hey, doc, I'd like you to meet my collective comfort animal. So I introduced him around and sort of tried to break the the ice. But in the end, there's no softening the blow from a stage four pancreatic cancer diagnosis. And I sort of just went straight into shock. You know, the Kubler-Ross, like where you just go into denial. You're like, right, okay, that's happening to somebody else over there. But after no, we were- Terminal. It's, not, it's like the C word, the cancer word, <clears throat> but then when you hear the terminal word with it, it's like terminal, like, wait, what? I don't know, options or what's going on? Well, pancreatic cancer just has this connotation of sudden death. People get a diagnosis and they're dead a month later or they're dead two months later. They go straight to hospice. And so I didn't feel that sick, but I knew something was very off. And when the medicine says stage four, it's intimidating. So we we left the meeting with the doctor. We had the diagnosis. And I said, you know what? Let me buy everyone lunch. And we just went to a restaurant and we were at the, the Kahului Ale House and they've always got sports on. And I'm sitting there watching the Hawaii Little League team play in the Little League World Series against Northern California. And the game was like tied at two or something. And then in about the, the fifth inning, Hawaii just starts clobbering the other team. We've been at the restaurant about an hour at that point. And I saw them hit a grand slam home run and I, I call for the check. I'm like, let's leave on a high note. And I did, that just sort of began the place where I started to just roll with it. And it sounds trite, but I was going to take a cue, a positive cue from wherever it was coming. And if it was the Little League team on TV from Hawaii hitting a grand slam and winning their game, I'm going to take that little win and I'm going to move with it instead of thinking about all the little losses that are wow. going to start piling up here. But I lost 40 pounds over the next month and a half mm. uh, because the, the tumor was so big. My stomach was smushed down to where I couldn't, I could eat about this much food and then I'd be full. But I was getting uh, therapeutic intravenous interventions like a Myers cocktail and high vitamin C uh, cocktails. And uh, the chemo began. And uh, I tolerated the chemo really well to start. Six months in now, I'm having some challenges with neuropathy. But at the beginning, the chemo really bit and uh, kept me alive long enough that I could eat my way back into, you know, I went from 225 down to 175. And I was looking very Auschwitz. 
And uh, not to trivialize that or compare myself to them, but that's what I, when you looked at me from behind, you could see my ribs and my, my hip bones from the rear. So worked out and you're super healthy and it's uh who you are. Yeah. 20 years of Pilates and Tai Chi and going to the gym and being a buff, burly lumberjack kind of guy. And now I'm this skinny little wraith that I see in the mirror. It was hard to recognize myself. How did you deal with that? Like the, I mean, it's, I think it's sometimes it's easy to focus on the medical side because there's facts, you know, you're, it's just a body, right? It's just a body. It's just, it's the spacesuit that my soul wears during this life. But having said that, it's just a body. If the body dies, then your journey's over. So I was very glad when uh, the chemo started to have some effect. We could feel and see the the tumor shrinking and I was able to eat more and able to drink more and I slept more comfortably. And it was just sort of this virtuous circle. Um, As I got more healthy, I started working out a little bit. Um, I started being able to drive myself to my own appointments. And I just made this remarkable comeback because I was lying around in the bed 18 hours a day just with no energy to do anything. And then, you know, two months later, I'm driving myself to my oncology appointments and going to Costco and doing some shopping and this sort of thing, all these little normal uh, benchmarks. But normal is a big deal because I think when you're independent and you're just used to driving yourself to the store when you want to, and then all of a sudden you can't, it is frustrating. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, and you sort of wonder, it was, it's part of the whole process as like my career got swept off the table, as I had to shut my business down, 20 years in business for myself as a small businessman, gone. And just all these relationships that, that I had to let go of because I had to let my world shrink down to half a bed. And just the very few people that I had the energy to keep up with, my brother, um, you know, if you weren't here on Maui, I probably wasn't in touch with you if you weren't my brother. I was letting him be the clearinghouse for information and contact. But yeah, everything changes. Your body changes. My career, poof, gone. My old life, gone. My way of making a living, gone. And you get these moments, um, especially because I had insomnia, because it was hard for me to uh, sleep for a while, where you're just like, who am I? But minus all these things that have defined me for so long, who am I really? And and why am I here? And that is one of the gifts, ultimately, that comes out of the journey, the cancer journey. I can't recommend this cancer journey to anyone as something they should do. But if you have to take it, if you have to go to Cancer Town, you might as well come home with all kinds of good lessons, not just for yourself but for your community and the people around you. Um, And so I'm writing a book uh, with some of the material I've written for my radio show for the last four years, but with a focus on what I've written since my diagnosis last August. I think it's so important that you touched on, you know, you have the medical side of it, then you have the business side of it and family and learning to shrink all that down. But how did you deal with the identity piece of it? It's just a business closing or whatever that may be. If somebody loses a business and their identity is tied up into that and or family or location, but how did you really deal with that identity piece? Like, who am I? What just another thing? Well, that, and then what happens? That That's the big question. Like some people I think would have a harder time than I might have because they just don't really know who they are. I think it's something that happens when you're young and your parents get the process started and sort of drawing out of you instead of pushing onto you like what they want you to be. They try to evoke out of you like, what's your talents? What are your interests? And I very much got that when I was young. So when the time came and all the stuff that people normally stack up in that place, if they don't really know who they are, which is a career, which is a marriage or a significant life relationship, a parental role, these sorts of things. If those things get swept away, some people would struggle with who am I? And some people would do less struggling. And I was in that second category for sure. So listen up parents. That was a big takeaway as far as parenting. 
on, you know, putting stuff on or drawing it out because I think identity is something I've struggled with. I see a lot of other people struggling with identity where if you don't have that title or you don't have that ring on your finger or you don't have that, whatever it may be, all of a sudden you're rocked instead of having that sense of I am. And that's the sentence, like I am me just by being me. So I think that's a big takeaway. And it's awesome when you have that, just like you said, built up that it's not a stack that can be taken away from you. Or if it yeah. is taken away, it's okay because you're still there. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's all there just waiting. And if everything else gets swept away, you, I still know who I am essentially and why I'm here. Um, but it's a big redirect. I'm, I'm quite certain that the, the divine said, okay, you proved your point. You can do the small business dad thing. You can do the fatherhood thing. You can drive back and forth from one side of Maui to the other six days a week and keep your business going. But it's time for you to move on to the next piece of work. I was reading a book by one of my favorite authors, and he talked about how a character over the space of a few years in his 50s went from being young, old to old, old, you know, and there's a dividing line where you're like, you're in middle age, you're a little, you got some gray hairs going in, but you're still middle aged. And then there's the one where you're into the elderhood part of the phase. There's nothing wrong with elderhood, especially if you're healthy and you and you live yes. it in an active way. It's the time where your wisdom that you've spent a lifetime putting together gets to go back out in the world and help people. And so this is all, I think, a big redirect from the stop running around and, and thinking in retail terms of giving your gift to people and think more in wholesale terms. And that's why I'm writing the book because I can just take these things I've learned and these ideas I have about what the journey that I've taken and give them to people in a book form and let them make of it what they will. Um, because I think different parts of the book will help different people, but we can all use somebody or something that helps bring us up short and takes us out of our daily where the noise and just the glitter and the excitement and this new show on Netflix, my new car, my new job, my new, you know, my new girlfriend, my new boyfriend, my new whatever, and just bring people up short and remember, and, and how does this relate to the eternal journey that you're on um, that you've come here to have? And, and so um, if I can help people with that, I call it the process of unforgetting. The Greek word is anamnesis, which is the opposite. Amnesia is to forget. And anamnesia is to unforget. So it's not remembering something. It's just, it's something we already know that we just, we don't think about. And if I can help people remember why it is they've come and what they're supposed to do, then I will have uh, fulfilled my mission. So, yes. And I like that better than even unbecoming. You know, people say to unbecome or kind of undo yourself. It's like a lot of it is just remembering from where you were. Just like you said, it's not a remembering thing. It's not an unbecoming thing. It's just getting back to that place of you were. And it's easy to, you know, scroll through Facebook or Instagram and you see the little memes or the sayings and quotes that say, you know, live like you're dying. Well, that idea is great. Or you hear the song and it is a great place. Like you said, you can prioritize, you can be all the gifts that come out of it after the initial shock and going through the hard parts of it. But I think it's hard to stay in that place of being present. It's hard to stay in that thing where C and D priorities don't beat out the A and B priorities. You know, you try to stay present, then all of a sudden life happens again. And, oh, I do have to go to Costco and I do have to pay these bills and, you know, all of those things that come along. And it's really trying to hold that up. And two things about that, when my mom found out that she was diagnosed, all of a sudden you're dying. And then, so she started dying. And then somebody gave her books that live like you're living. And then it's the same thing. We have the same days, the same minutes. We don't know if it's my time or your time or today or tomorrow, but it's just how we're thinking about it. So just like you said, mm -hmm. if you're going to bring in people that are close to you and spend that time with you, you don't know what that time period is. Well, I don't know what the time period is without a diagnosis, but wouldn't it be great if we can get to that place of really mm -hmm. being present? You know, I look back and there's so many moments, holidays even where it's a blur because of whatever. I was worried about the place setting and not the people. 
or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And what a gift that is to be present and really try to have that come forward, you know, as a forefront in your mind and your life. And how did other people treat you in the beginning or react? And then, you know, long-term and any advice to other people that are around to me, just with a all of a sudden a diagnosis or a life change, because I feel like so many people don't feel it. We don't feel equipped. So then we either overdo it or underdo it. But what what helped you? Well, so many thoughts. Um, first of all, that that Facebook meme about live like you're dying. No, it's like you said, live like you're living, you know, living like you're dying. You're going to make these grand gestures and try to make up for a lifetime of inattention with some, you know, big dopey move or something like that. And no, just every day, wake up and just do your best version of yourself every day, every night, just keep showing up. It doesn't have to be spectacular. It just has to be authentic and it has to be you. When you first get a diagnosis like I got, um, it's hard because everyone has advice. Mm -hmm. Everyone is just horrified and sad and shocked and they feel disempowered because like I said before, they can't help. They, They can't do the surgery. They can't give me the chemo. They can't make it go away. And so as Americans, especially, we feel like we can always do something we can always fix it. It's always going to be an, an okay outcome. And that's just not so. Um, and so people offer their advice, you know, uh, you got to fly to Mexico and do this. You've got to take this drug. You've got to get in this program. You've got to stop eating blank. You've got to start eating blank. And just sort of keeping my balance and making some decisions about what I was going to do and how I was going to pursue it, taking into account all the other information was good, but there was a real whirlwind. And it was great to have people around me who sort of acted as intermediaries, um, like my brother. Yeah. Um, And when people would come to visit, especially towards the beginning when I was in such rough shape, um, people were really stricken. It was very heartwarming to see how sad they were about my situation, but also being super sad about it doesn't help me. And me feeling sad and sorry for myself doesn't help me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change my situation. Like, of course, if you have grief, then be authentic around that and let that flow. But also just understand that every day is is an opportunity to live your life and make it special. And if this is the only one you get, if this is the last day you get, okay. You know, I, I, I wanted to feel as if I finished strong, if in fact I was going to go out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't do it in a panic or in a rage or in a bout of self-pity because was, life's too short right. for those sorts of wastes of time. So I don't know if my attitude is making a big difference. All the medical professionals, like the oncology nurses, they say it's the ones like you who live, at least for a while, uh, because less than 5% of pancreatic cancer diagnoses live five years. So I'm come, you know, before too long here, we'll come up on a year. Um, I definitely feel strong enough that I'm gonna get that far, but who knows? Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I just want to make the best of the time I have. And so we're going to do a little traveling. I'm going to write my book and publish my book. I'm going to spend quality time with my son. I'm going to spend time with my girlfriend, my mom, my friends, doing some things I love. And what else is there at the end of the day? Like, be yourself and do things you enjoy with people you care about. That's simple, but that big of a deal. Yeah. I think attitude is such a big, big thing. And that's one reason I asked you to come on the show because you've always had a positive attitude towards life, towards others, towards humans, towards connection. But to go through something like this and maintain that attitude, it's, you know, it's not every day, it's not all roses every day, but to maintain that attitude, I believe is such an important part of how we live with whatever comes our way. It's just, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, there's a lot of ups and downs and 
there's a chapter in my book I, I wrote called live like you're moving because we can't live like we're dying every day. Right. But mm -hmm. when I moved away from a place that I lived for 40 years, all of a sudden I was going to the baseball game. I was going to the mint, like the museum, all these things and running to my favorite restaurant, seeing people I hadn't seen in a long time. I'm like, why, why did I have to move to do this? Why couldn't I have done this before? And, or, you know, we tend to leave places that we move from better. Like a doorknob was driving me crazy forever. And why did all of a sudden I fix the doorknob now? And it's just all of a sudden there's that time pressure around us. And I'm like, I, I know we can't live like we're dying all the time, but we can live like we're living and we can live like we're moving. And it's just like, you get to go on a trip and, you know, there's that time around it or time on your life. You just think, you know what? Time is precious. It's amazing what we can squeeze into a day, meaning not a huge to-do list, but just focusing on that a priority. Like it's amazing how much family time I can spend or how many people I can actually connect with when before I was so busy, I couldn't even do lunch with anybody. Well, you live like you're moving all of a sudden I can fit in five people in a day I could see and spend good quality time with. So how is that possible? So it's just amazing how time, you know, you let some of those lower priorities go. Yeah, for sure. Um, I lived in New York city for a while. And when you first get to New York, you're like, Hey, let's go to the Met. Hey, let's go to Lincoln center. Let's go to the empire state building. Let's go to Coney Island. And after you've been there a while, you get jaded and you're sort of like, eh, we're moving. Mm -hmm. when your cousin comes to town, you're like, yeah, let's go to times square and see the, the lights. But we would do well to live our life as if we're new to New York city, so to speak, yes. as if we're new to our human life. Cause this world is a paradise. There are so many beautiful things and beautiful people, wonderful things to do great books to read, great food to eat, dances to dance, art to enjoy, quality time with kids. Not everyone's a kid person, but if you spend enough time with a kid over time and you watch that brain grow and develop and that heart unfold and get bigger and their body, they come into the knowing of their body. Life is just magnificent here on earth. And we tend to focus on the bad news um, and that's a survival adaptation. Like if you ignore the bad news, eventually the bad news is going to eat you, right? The bear is going to come around and eat you. Yeah. But you can't give it pride of place at the top of the list. You have to say, this is what we have to cope with in order to stay here. But having done that for the day, let's set worry aside and now go do something beautiful. Go hear some music, go make some music, go play a game, go play kickball with your kid in the park or whatever it is that knocks you out. Read a good book, write poetry, garden and on and on and on, you know, watch the Broncos do their thing, whatever, um, whatever floats your boat. But just to remember that every day, never to let yourself get jaded by the beauties of this place. And this earth is full of beauty. There's more beauty in this earth than there is ugly. I love um, that because it's it is, all... sometimes it's so easy to focus on the negative. Did you, was there a point where you started grieving thinking, okay, if I'm dying, like I'm actually grieving, missing these beautiful things and beautiful people? Well, I, I definitely had the thought it was sort of the same round of thoughts I had during the, the cruise missile false alarm we had here like yes. four years ago. So crazy. Like I have 20 minutes till I'm going to die. And so I went and watched Logan sleep, my son sleeping. And I was like, well, I wish I had more time, but I, I kicked ass. I did a great job. So I was sort of in that place here. I was like, well, I, especially for Logan, I was sad to be leaving when he was just only six. Um, and I wanted to have the chance to raise him up and give him the tools to be a good human being. But all in all, my life has been a kick-ass adventure for 57 years, going on 58. I turned 58 next week. I know it's so, so fun, that story that, you know, you got to become a father after the age of 50. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I didn't have a lot of regrets. I was sad to leave some people behind, especially my son. But mostly it was just about like, well, you, you did good, man. You, you really, you sort of powered through.
you know, you did it on your terms from start to finish. Um, and so now I'm hoping I have another 20 years to live on my own terms. Like I said, get my son raised up into adulthood and turn him loose on the world and just have a little more time to do what I came here to do now that I've sort of gotten the message on the redirect from the divine to uh, to pursue a, a truer distillation of what it is I, I came here to do, what my gifts are for. So. And I know you said you turned down the noise. I mean, obviously, when something like this happens, it's almost like the world stops spinning. And then, you know, the noise gets shut way down to where you purposely are bringing that circle in for yourself. Now, as you're getting and stepping back into the world, like the Costco lines or whatever you want to say, how do you keep that noise away? How do you keep well, that noise turned down? You just keep it as, as as minimal as possible. It was It was part of the great cosmic joke. I, I saw it, um, you know, the divine is like, oh, you want to live? Okay. So all these things you've ignored for three or four months, like, you know, your credit card bill and you're this and you're that, um, you're, you got to go down to your office and file all your paperwork and you've got to do your taxes. And, um, so you, you're, you're willing to do that, you know, cause that, that, that's part of the price that of residence. And so I just had a moment of kind of laughing at myself and laughing at, you know, God does have a sense of humor if you're paying attention. Yes. And as you start to let the necessary things back into your life, you know, like doing your taxes, getting the oil changed on my car, you know, yes. there was a moment when I was like, I'll never have to change oil on my car again. I had to go down and make a freaking appointment and sit there for 20 minutes. But you, as the necessaries present themselves, the a lot of unnecessary stuff also presents itself. And so- that's your opportunity to say, you know what? I'm not going to take that back. I'm just going to leave that on the shelf and let that be pow. I'm done. That was fun for now. You know, there are certain like genres of movie and kinds of entertainment that I won't watch anymore, partly because I don't want to spend the time, but also partly because I don't want to like let that certain energy into my body, into my mind. Um, but mostly it's like, I just don't have time for you. I don't have time for three seasons of 12 episodes of whatever, whatever great entertainment. That's fine. I'm sure it's the loveliest show. But I have other things to do, like write a book, like teach my kid how to kick a kickball, like spend time with my girlfriend and go down to the beach and and so forth. So it's a great opportunity to reprioritize because everything's up for negotiation. Nothing is assumed to be a must do. That's right. So. It's such a great experience to, unfortunately, it's an unfortunate situation. But when you go through that and you see those priorities, it's almost like refreshing. Like you don't feel like I have to watch these episodes. Like I get to live. Like this is a super exciting time for me. It might be at 10 o'clock at night and it's still exciting that you get mm -hmm. to do this. And I know you've had not only your own thing to <laughs> deal with, but obviously your girlfriend also, um, and, and having to go through this with her and her own diagnosis, but what advice could you give? Cause obviously you're playing both ro roles, you know, you're playing the supportive person and you're dealing with your own stuff. What has helped you that other people have done for you? I mean, there's sort of two two categories there. The one category is the obvious thing. Like we had friends coming over and mowing the lawn and doing the weed whacking for us, which I was not physically capable of doing. But in terms of the more personal stuff, it's just people showing up and some of them can do things like one woman friend of mine, Wendy Makaheleg, who you know, has started a microgreens business. Mm -hmm. So every week she shows up with these big bell jars, like four bell jars full of microgreens because they're amazingly good nutrition. Um, and easy to digest and good for a guy like me in this time in my life. But also just to show up and be, let's just be together. Let's hang out and, you know, um, we'll go for a walk or we'll have a conversation or we'll work on a little home project or something like that. It doesn't have to be some big deal. It doesn't have to be something grandiose. The small pleasures really do start to loom large. 
um, when you're in my situation. You can't live up on the mountaintop where you have these peak experiences. People are forever doing grandiose gestures for you and so forth. You know, it's like romance is great. And then you have to settle into the reality of a relationship where it's like you wake up in the morning and you've got bad breath and you're cranky because you haven't had mm -hmm. your caffeine yet. And so it's it's important to have both. But for the most part, I, I would just tell people, if you know someone who's in my situation, just offer your time up and let them guide you. You know, they might just say, can you drive me to the movies? Or I don't want to do anything. Can we just sit in my room and talk? Because the disease steals so much energy. Mm -hmm. uh, the chemo, like I took three naps yesterday, almost three hours worth of extra sleep just because my body was tired. And if I had a big appointment with somebody to go see a movie or go do some big thing, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Or if I had shown up, I would have not been much fun. So to listen to the people. Learning to receive, just like you said, it's sometimes the small things. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes we don't do the small things because we think I can't do anything big right now. So we don't do the small things. So that's encouraging. Just remember for all of us to do small things for each other, but also to be able to receive, you know, it's not, it's sometimes it's not easy. And I know when I was ill on Maui and I ended up with typhus, people would reach out to me and, I, and my immediate thing is I'm fine. I'm fine. I got it. Well, until you're really not like there's a point mm -hmm. where you physically cannot be fine. And I remember people doing something for me and I would immediately offer to do something back, whatever it was and whatever I could do. And I remember numerous people saying, Autumn, you're taking away their joy. Like they want to help you. It's their way of dealing with their stuff around you. It, it, it's what they want to do. They wouldn't offer usually if they don't want to do it. So let them do for you. And it's just being in that place of learning also to receive, you know, we're not always on the mountaintops and we're also not in a place where we can just always give. It's the other side of it. And there's a joy in learning that it's a different love that we receive and a different way we have to show up for ourselves even to be able to receive. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's very liberating when you get to that point when you can stop thinking it always has to be tit for tat, like someone does something for me, so I have to do something for them. It's like, no, the great karmic wheel will take care of, it'll all even out eventually, but it's not going to even out just with this person. You're going to have to go all the way around. You're going to do something for someone who does something for someone and to just let it go and let people let be go. kind to you, to give over control of things. Uh, my girlfriend was so great during the initial phase uh, before she got into her chemo journey. She was just there and she just knocked herself out taking care of me, um, her and my mom, but mostly, you know, my girlfriend was, was the one who was there 24 seven. And I just had to let that be. And at first it was hard. I felt a little guilty. And then after a while I was like, I don't feel guilty. And I have pancreatic cancer. That's if right. I can't need needful now, then it's just never going to happen. That's right. And I'm worth it. I'm worth it. I'm, I That's deserve right. it. Good for you. you. Know? That's so, right. And we yeah. all do. Everybody deserves it. And you know, you're worth it to, to be in that place of letting it go and being able to receive, because I think that's a huge part of healing is if, if we don't let people help us and learn to receive, it's that resistance. And I don't believe we can heal very good with, with that resistance going on in our own life and that energy around us. Um, and to close up, I know I'd like to talk to you all day, but for the sake of time, and thank you for giving me your time today and the audience, how important was like energy being protective of your energy and those people around you. And just like you said, whether it's music or TV or all the negative stuff that we get sometimes get sucked into, how important do you think that is in a healing journey? It's, it's essential. If you don't shepherd, if you don't marshal and steward your energies, then you're, you don't have the energy you need for your body to get better or your mind or whatever it is that needs the healing. And there's something very empowering about having an awful diagnosis like stage four pancreatic cancer 
you know, if you want to wield a cudgel to get people to comply to what you want, just tell them that's what's going on for you because there's no answer for it. Everyone knows it's a killer. So, you know, if I needed a restroom and I was out in a place that, with a shop that said no public restrooms, I'd just be like, I need your restroom. I have stage four. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they just, it's right over there. But also just in, in my time around people, I just gave myself permission, like at any point to like, I didn't have to explain where I was going or what I was doing. I was just going to, if I needed to leave, I just left. If I was at my mom's house, and they're talking about plans for dinner, I would just turn around and go back to my my ohana and get back in bed in the early days when I, I would wake up and eat and then go back to bed, basically. And so I just gave myself permission to fall all the way down into the place of I'm not thinking about anyone but myself right now. I'm the My number one priority is my own energies. And I if, if I hurt some people's feelings, I don't mean to, but um, okay. And if I disappoint you because I can't show up and and go see a movie with you, and that disappoints you. Okay, this is not about you right now. This mm -hmm. is about me. Well, so it's interesting it's how you said fall into that place where we should all kind of be in that place anyway. It's not a selfish thing. It's a, it's being that authentic, true to yourself of what you can do for the day. Rather, it's mental. Rather, it's an energy thing. Rather, it's an illness. Is that just to actually be truthful and do things not out of obligation all the time or feeling like we should. Mike always says to me, quit shitting all over yourself. You know, I should do that. Yeah. I should be this. And it's like, just fall into that place of being you, the best you at the time you can be. Yeah. There's American culture has a neurosis around. I can do it all. And you, okay, maybe you can for a while. I was doing it all. And then life just said, okay, now you stop. And uh, in terms of not shooting all over yourself, I made a little, there's, there's so much involved with my care. Oh, geez. That, like, this is a sort of a daily and a weekly like list of daily tasks. And then, you know, for a, a seven day period, just so I can remember, like, did I do the mushroom shake? Did I take my trans resveratrol? And uh, we made one for Megan as well, my girlfriend. And one of her boxes, I don't have it on my sheet, but she has it on her boxes is say no. Yes. And so she'll come to me and she'll say, I said no to blank today because it's, it's hard for her. It's harder for her. I've definitely gotten to a place in my life where I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. Um, and it's, it's, I'd say it's easy. Those muscles get stronger, the longer you work them. Um, and so we should all give ourselves permission and make an appointment like Meg did on her sheet every day, once a day, tell somebody, no, it could be something small. It could be something big, but it's all about defending your boundaries and honoring yourself first. Like they tell you on the airplane, if, if the masks drop down, you put yeah. your own mask on first and then you help the person next to you. Yes. So you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of anybody else. It, yeah, women tend to have a little harder time yep. saying no. And it's just, just use the, it's a two letter word, just try it on little things. I just tell people practice, just like you said, it's a muscle that builds and it builds that mental toughness of, nope, I can't do that. So I'm so sorry. Thank yeah. you so much for asking though. That's it. You know, thank you for yeah. thinking of me. That's it. But it is just learning and it's always these situations in life and all the ups and all the downs. I think it always, it is such a journey. And to me, just getting to know yourself better, allowing yourself, you know, for you to be present with yourself, to spend that time with yourself and falling and being able to put yourself first and what that feels like. And to me, it's just getting to know yourself. And I know this is weird to say, but I'm proud of you. It's not something you normally say I'm proud of you for, but it, it is just, it's tough. And when you see anybody go through a tough time, regardless of what it is, it's like you can handle yourself in a million different ways. And there's no right or wrong way. I mean, if you were a disaster mess right now, when I was talking to you, I'd still say like, oh my gosh, look what you've been through. But I'm so proud of you for not only taking care of yourself, but also being able to turn this around and say, who else can I help? Because that's what we're all here for is to be connected and use our stories and our journeys and our experiences. If I can make, I actually have this right here. 
it says to know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded by Rolf. And I'm like one person, if whatever I've been through, it could be something little, it could be something big, but if I could help fast forward one thing or give somebody one little thing that might make somebody else's journey easier. And I think that's what your book's going to do is just people that are surrounding, you know, the helpers, the family, but also okay, I got this diagnosis. It's like, now what? It's like, well, when you find out you're pregnant, there's 50 million books on, okay, step one, step two, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, I have this. So now what? I love what you said about just honoring your trouble. Like if I can just honor that from the get-go and if I can just keep living instead of dying, you know, you make those decisions up front. Just like you said, you look for the wins. Like that's a big tip. Just look for the wins in the day, whatever it is, instead of looking for the bad. I mean, I wish we could all do that every day, right? just, you know, fight for those wins. So I'm just so thankful for you and our friendship. I'm thankful for this time with you. And I'm super excited for your book to come out. I can't wait to get it. And um, I just think these tips are going to be so valuable in people's journey. Yeah. October, October one is my target published date. So that's my birthday. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> and thank you so much. Um, my Molly, pleasure. For all your time. And I love watching you. And of course, Logan from a distance on Facebook. So if people would like to follow your journey or connect with you? How can they find you? Well, they can find me on Facebook at Tim McCallum on, on Maui. Um, and if they want to get on a mailing list to be kept apprised of the book publishing and, and what's going mm-hmm. forward, then they can reach me at uh, sffmaui at gmail.com. That's SFF as in Sam Frank Frank. It's my old business address for serious fun fitness. So F- sffmaui at gmail.com. And if they just say they want to be on the list for my creations going forward and follow my journey, then then that's how they can get in touch. And I think that's what's awesome is that you can focus on physical fitness and now it's just that mental toughness fitness. And it's just, it's just being tough in different ways and being mm-hmm. able to share that is just awesome. It's going to help so many people. So I'm so thankful for you and um, let's stay in touch. And thanks again for your time. Yeah, it's been Bye-bye. fun. Let's do it again. Cheers. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. And remember, good friends don't keep great messages to themselves, so keep the ripples moving and share this episode with your friends. Also, wherever you listen to podcasts, please take a moment to review or download this episode. I would love to connect with you. Regardless of where you're at on your journey, maybe you're feeling like you can't set sail, or maybe you're out there rocking the open seas. Find me at autumnshields.com or on social and say hello. If you would like a complimentary coaching sesh, all you have to do is click on let's connect and let me know three things you would like to get out of the conversation and we will make it happen. So make today the day you decide to live your life alive and leave room for the unimaginable. So until next time, keep following the nudges.